Welcome back to day five of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast Holiday Special. Today, we have a great interview for you guys where we have Seth Joyner, former Philadelphia Eagles linebacker, on the show. This is a rerun of that interview and also included is Two Brothers, Two Picks for Week 16, the first week of the Fantasy Football Finals. We hope you enjoyed this interview and our Two Brothers, Two Picks. Former NFL linebacker, played in the NFL for the Philadelphia Eagles, Arizona Cardinals, Green Bay Packers, and Denver Broncos. In 1991, Mr. Joyner was named NFL Player of the Year by Sports Illustrated and received runner-up honors for Associated Press NFL Defensive Player of the Year while a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mr. Joyner won Super Bowl 33 as a linebacker for the Broncos in 1998, which was the zenith of his career. Mr. Joyner is one of 44 members of the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame and a 2019 nominee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mr. Joyner, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? I am great. Great. Great to be with you. Tell us a little bit about the beginning of your sports career in college and after that. Well, I mean, I played sports my entire life. I played baseball, basketball, and football. Um, but by the time I got into high school, you know, I realized that um, – I was much more of a football player than a baseball or basketball player. And, um, you know, my passion for the game, my love for the game, and, you know, my dream to play in the NFL, um, I realized that, you know, college was the next step. Um, I graduated from high school. I went and I played four years at the University of Texas at El Paso. And then I was drafted, you know, in the eighth round by the Philadelphia Eagles in 1986. How did it feel to be, to be drafted by the Eagles? Well, it was exciting. But, you know, when you when you get drafted, that's really just the beginning phases, you know, the journey. Um, you know, a lot of players get drafted that don't necessarily pan out or, or make it. But, you know, after you get drafted, um, that's when the real work begins. You've got to go in, get acclimated to a new city, a new team, a new environment. Um, a new coaching staff, new teammates, things of that nature. Um, you know, and you got to excel. You know, you got to learn what you got to do. Everyone has a job to do, and you got to figure out what your job is. Um, and go in and do your job efficiently and effectively. You go to training camp with 90 players, and by the time it's all said and done, you get to the regular season. There's only about 53 players on each roster. Football players are known to be the current day gladiators. Give us the details of what happened during the game in 1991 when you played with a 102-degree fever against the Houston Oilers and recorded eight solo tackles, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and two sacks. Well, um, as I can remember, that game is probably, you know, uh, statistically the best game that I ever played in my career. But, um, you know, it was a Monday night game. We were playing against the Houston Oilers at the time. They were the number one ranked um, offense in the NFL, and um, we were the number one ranked defense in the NFL. So we knew going into the game, you know, something had to give uh, with the two top-ranked offenses and defenses going into a Monday night game. Um, back then, you know, there were no Sunday night games. There were no, no Thursday night games or Saturday games, for that matter. There was only Sunday night games, and the Monday night game was the preeminent game 
to be a part of because that meant that all the other teams, the rest of the country was just watching just your game. Um, so we flew into Houston that Sunday night, you know, and I wasn't feeling well, and it progressively got worse. And, you know, by the time we got to Monday afternoon, um, the the trainers and the coaches had a feeling that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to play. Um, but I had made up my mind all along that, you know, it was my intention to play no matter what the circumstances were. So, you know, my mindset going into the game was I know I was going to be exhausted play after play. So my intent was, okay, I'm just going to play all out and each and every play. And wherever I am on the field, I'm just going to take a knee, you know, gather myself, try to recover, catch my breath, you know, and have, you know, our middle linebacker just give me the call or the safety give me a call rather than trying to hustle back to the huddle. Um, and that pretty much was my mode of operation throughout the whole game. You know, what I learned in that game, I never heard of, you know, we call it being in the zone now. I'd never heard of it at that point in time, but I was certainly, you know, in the zone in that game. Um, but because of how I was feeling, I, you know, pretty much, you know, my mind was pretty much just locked into playing. Um, it wasn't one of those situations where I was trying to think through the game because of how I was feeling and the circumstances, you know, that I was enduring. It was just play and just do what it is that your body has prepared you to do and um and 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 play without allowing your mind to get in get in the way of the game um and the rest is history you know the learning piece of that for me was you know at that point like i said i didn't know what the zone was but i was forever throughout the rest of my career trying to get back into the zone but it's something that just naturally happens it's not something you know that you can force into being how did you convince the team docs and trainers to let you play in well, you know, I was, I'd been a starter for quite some time, you know, since 1986. And, you know, there was no damage, you know, no physical damage that I could do, do to myself by, you know, by playing. So, um, and I was an important part of the defense as well. So it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, they were going to fight me um, to, to not play. It was more or less okay. Let's let's see how it goes. You know, if you can get through the game, you know, and there's no issues, that's fine. But you know, if you be if you're if you begin to feel bad and you can't do what it is, you know, that you need to do, you know, then we'll make a decision on whether you continue to play or not. Yeah, that's so crazy. Most people, if they had a hundred two degree fever, would go to the hospital. But you managed to play a game and one of the best of your career. How did you manage to play so well, even with that bad of a fever? Well, I think that you know when players, you know, have good games, it it doesn't start on game day. It really starts at the beginning of the week on a Monday. Um, so the previous Monday is where it really all began. Um, I had always been a player throughout my career that prided himself on being prepared, you know, studying your game plan, studying your opponent, watching as much game film as you, as you could, looking for tendencies, you know, um, against your opponent, what they like to do, who their favorite receivers and running backs are, what their strengths and what their weaknesses are, you know, throughout the week. So if you kind of do all the work leading up to the game, by the time you get to the game, um, you eliminate a lot of the thinking that 
sometimes paralyzes and plays players if they're not prepared. So preparation for me is always, you know, a key. If you're prepared, then you can confidently go into a game knowing that you're going to have a good game. Conversely, if you're not prepared, you go into the game wondering whether you'll have a good game or not. During your time at the Eagles, the NFC East was known to be one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. What was it like playing against your NFC East rivals? Well, those games were always battle battle games because you just knew, you know, they were um, familiar opponents because, you know, um, you're going to play your division rivals twice a year, every year. So we knew each other well. Um, you knew what they were going to do. You knew what their strengths were. You knew who their best players were. You knew what their weaknesses were. Um, so they were just full-on battles and, and, and a lot of fun, to be honest with you, because if you won the division, you know, you had bragging rights, you know, until the next football season. But um, there were a lot of great players and a lot of great coaches, um, you know, on those teams during that era. And, um, you know, we had some battles. We had some, some major battles, no doubt about it. Was it a dream come true to be named NFL Player of the Year in 1991 by Sports Illustrated? It was. You know, it was, it was a big year for me. Um, I had a lot of success that year. I came in second, actually, in the defensive um, Player of the Year balloting. But um, that was a tremendous honor because there was a lot of great football players um, playing in the NFL during that season a lot of great years by a lot of great players. And for me to be recognized and selected as the NFL player of the year um, was pretty special. What was it like to play in two Super Bowls and win one of them? Well, they were both awesome. Um, the first one was, you know, heartbreaking to, you know, play in the NFL for 12 years and have a desire and your number one goal was to get into, play in, and win a Super Bowl and to lose the first one. Um, I began to, you know, feel like and believe that um, it was never going to happen, that I was going to be a Super Bowl champion. But the following year, following year, I got traded from the Green Bay Packers to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos repeated as champions that same year. Um, and I was able to retire, um, you know, as a Super Bowl champion. It's incredible you know, to realize that a guy drafted in the eighth round would last 13 years in the NFL, but also become an all-pro, um, also, you know, walk away as a Super Bowl champion. It was kind of the cherry on the, um, on the, on the Sunday, if you will, you know, of my career. What obstacles did you have to overcome to win that Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos in 1998? And how did the decision to retire come about after winning one Super Bowl? Well, I think, you know, I always chalk it up to, you know, 12 years of, of being, 12 years of determination, 12 years of hard work, 12 years of perseverance. Now, there's a lot of great players, Hall of Fame players, if you will, um, pro football Hall of Fame players that, you know, play long careers and never get an opportunity to even play in the Super Bowl, let alone um, become a Super Bowl champion. But... Um, you know, it's a culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of determination, a lot of perseverance. Um, and then, you know, when I got, after I won the Super Bowl, I mean, there were really no other goals for me to accomplish in the game. Um, I desired to play on 
but you know I actually went and worked out for the Rams that year um and it was my desire you know to have an opportunity to compete for a starting job that wasn't their plan they wanted to sign me to come in and back up all three linebacker positions you know and I felt like well if I'm in a position where I can't compete and that's what I've done my entire career if I can't compete for a starting job then you know maybe it's time to call it call it quits and you know I decided to to um to retire you know it was my own decision I wasn't really forced out of the game but you know lo and behold as fate would have it that was the the year that the Rams went to the Super Bowl and won so Super Bowl Sunday I wasn't too happy realizing I could have went to three Super Bowls in a row and won won two Super Bowl rings but you know hey those are the decisions that we make and um you know it's probably a mistake but you know, when you walk away from the game, you decide to retire. You do it with no regrets. What does it mean for you to be part of the Eagles Hall of Fame and a nominee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, when I got into the game, I got into the game to play because it was my passions, what I what I love to do. Um, it's an honor to be in the Eagles Hall of Fame because there's not a whole lot of players throughout, you know, the 75-plus year, almost 80-year history, you know, the franchise that are in that Hall of Fame. So that's a tremendous honor. Um, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, to be a, nominate, a nominee for it, uh, that's even bigger because you're talking about the history of the entire league, not just the team. So to be able to be up for consideration for that um, is extremely exciting, and I'm extremely hopeful that, you know, one day that will come to fruition. Tell us a little bit about playing alongside Reggie White, Jerome Brown, John Elway, Terrell Davis, and so many more great players. Well, you know, it takes a lot of teamwork, you know, for any team to be successful. In each team, you know, they have stars, superstars, you know, and role players. Um, to be able to play with and to play against, you know, some of those great names, I mean, guys like Reggie Brown, Reggie, Reggie White and Jerome Brown, and the many other great players that I played with in Philadelphia. I mean, that that will always be cherished because those guys I grew up in the game, in the professional game of football with, um, and we did some pretty special and amazing things as a group. Um, to, to be able to play in the NFL is a tremendous privilege. It's an honor um, because there's only 1,696 players every single year, plus you know, the 10 players on every team, so another 320 players that actually make the practice squad. But to be able to play in the NFL is a tremendous honor because there's only a small percentage of players that play at the collegiate level to get an opportunity to go to the highest level and play against such great talent. This year, Mr. Jordan participated in the Monaco U.S. Celebrity Golf Cup. For our listeners, could you please explain what that is? Well, it's a um, it's a Ryder Cup format golf tournament that uh, pretty much pits you know U.S. celebrities and um, sport figures against European celebrities and sports figures um, that raises money you know for the the Ryder Cup Foundation. Um, it's a tremendous, you know, golf event. I haven't had a chance to play in it yet. We were supposed to play, um, you know, this, this, I think it was this past June. But, you know, with the COVID-19, you know, a lot of things have been 
um, put off. But I think next year um, there's actually two events because the the event alternates between Monaco and um, trying to and Switzerland. And um, so next year um, they're back to back, and I'm looking forward to participating in both next year. Who are some of the other celebrities there and supposed to be on your team? Well, I know Larry Fitzgerald has played in it. Um, um, there, there, there's been it, it, it changes and it rotates. Like I said, I haven't played in it, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know who all the celebrities are, um, but you know some are very recognizable names. Others are recognizable names, um, and it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I've never played in a format like that before. I love golf. Um, golf is, you know, one of my new passions now, so I'm really looking forward to, you know, not only the trip to those two places, but also, you know, the camaraderie of being on a team, competing against Team Europe, and um, all the fun and excitement that will go on around the event. You're one of the best linebackers to play in the NFL ever. What advice would you give to other kids who want to be the best at their sport? Well, I, I would say that, you know, um, you have to have an internal love for the game of football in order to make it from the youth level to play at the high school level and then to go on to the collegiate level and then have the opportunity to be um, one of the select few to play at the pro level. Um, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. Um, it takes a lot of commitment. Um, and I think more than anything, you know, you have to really love the game. The game of football is different than any other sport because of the physical nature of it. Um, so there's a lot of requirements that come along with that. I mean, you got to love everything about it, the studying, the eating, how to eat right, how to train. Um, sometimes you even have to love, you know, the aches and pains that come along with the game because sometimes you have to ignore them in order to play the game because, you know, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get beat up, you're going to get bruised, and that's a part of the game. Um, so I would say, you know, if it's a passion, you know, then figure out what you have to do, you know, to get better in every way, whether that's, you know, your nutrition, whether that's your training, whether that's gathering and gaining information that will help you become better at the position that you play. Um, and then, you know, as you progress and become more advanced, you know, what are you willing to put into the game to be successful? You have to study, you have to prepare, you have to put the time in. Um, and that means that there's sacrifices, you know, that you have to make. There's places you can't go, there's things you can't do, there's events you can't attend. Even, you know, if you have a family, your family has to sacrifice, you know, in order for you, they have to sacrifice time spent with you sometimes in order for you to be successful at what you do. Um, so all of those things, you know, should be considered and thought about, you know, when one is endeavoring or thinking about becoming a professional athlete. Those are such important lessons to learn. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really loved hearing about the roller coaster of emotions you felt throughout your career and the Super Bowl felt. Many kids dream about that, including my brother and I. We appreciate your time and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Take care. And now for our weekly Two Brothers, Two Picks. 
So my first pick this week is going to be one of Arsh's picks last week who actually performed very well. Logan Thomas. He's playing Carolina, and their game got moved from 1 p.m. to 4.05 p.m. Um, but Terry McLaurin is doubtful. That just aids, um, aids Thomas's case. He caught 13 of 16 targets last week with Dwayne Haskins under center. And um, with Alex Smith probably not going to play, it's probably going to be another week like that. And he's playing the 25th worst tight end, defense against tight ends in the whole NFL. And he's the number five tight end in all of fantasy. That just aids his case so much more. And he's you can still get him in 29.5% of leagues, 28.5% of leagues. So definitely, if he's available, I would. He's a streamer for me. I'm starting him over Kittle this week, who actually just got activated off of IR. And my second pick this week is going to be Mike Williams, a wide receiver for the Chargers. They're playing the Broncos also at 4:05 p.m. And there last week, last time Mike Williams played the Broncos, he had 21 points, five receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. He's available in the over 40 percent of leagues, and with. Keenan Allen being questionable, he's more doubtful um, because what of, because of what the Chargers have put out. It looks like he's probably going to be under snap count or not going to play, so doubtful. And Mike Williams, he's healed completely from his back injury, so he's going to be the number one wide receiver even because he's not going to be under snap count or Jalen Guyton, but yeah, or Jalen Guyton or yeah or Tyrone Johnson. But Mike Williams is going to get significant targets. Not to mention, like I said before, he had his biggest game, one of his biggest games of the year against the Broncos. So he's a wide receiver three for me. If Keenan Allen's out, he bumps up to a low end, like one of the lowest wide receiver ones, if not high high end wide receiver two for me. And Arsh, who are your two picks this week? So my first pick is actually going to be Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell has been pretty amazing. He's been pretty amazing, even with Clyde Edwards-Lair. And last week, Clyde was sidelined with an injury. And Le'Veon Bell, um, Le'Veon Bell had 15 attempts, 62 yards, and a touchdown, equaling 14.6 points. Um, I believe that he, since Clyde Edwards-Lair is not playing this game, I believe that uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to do very well. And my second pick is actually going to be Baker Mayfield, quarterback for the um, Cleveland Browns. He's playing the Jets this week, who are 1-13. His average points is 16, and he's been playing out of his mind the past four games. 29 points, 30 points. 20 points. He's just been he's been amazing. And against the Jets, you better believe he's going to explode. So my two picks are going to be Le'Veon Bell, 4-1, and my second one is going to be Baker Mayfield. And my two picks this week are Logan Thomas, tight end for Washington football team, and Mike Williams, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers.